we, we came to the camp over here on the coast. And as we were getting oriented to the camp, one of the problems that they deal with, they don't have disciplinary problems because these kids have never seen the ocean that's on the coast of their country. They have never eaten this well, and they do not want to get sent home. So they have no discipline problems, but one of the problems they run into is bedwetting. And these are sixth grade, sixth grade children. The reason this, I, I just can't hardly describe the pain this caused. The reason they're bedwetting is in the slums, you would never get out of bed to go to the bathroom because there are no bathrooms in your home a little girl would have to walk up a dark street with drunk men who regularly rape girls their age. So they choose to wet the bed every night rather than risk going to the bathroom getting mm -hmm. raped. Mm -hmm. So coming to camp, it doesn't cross their mind to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Well, welcome to another episode of Let's Go 360, a podcast for those who are interested in knowing what God is doing around the world. And today, it's truly around the world. Dr. Mark Moore and I are sitting here in Kalifi, Kenya, where we are winding down an amazing trip with our Kenyan brothers and sisters at Mohi. If you're not familiar with Mohi, check out a previous episode where we have interviewed Mary and Wallace Kamau. And so we're winding up our trip today, waiting for our bus to go, and it's been an amazing trip. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here, especially from Kenya. Like you said, to put this in perspective, every once in a while you run into missionaries that you feel like if they were alive in the days of the Apostle Paul, they would be with Paul or maybe even Paul himself. And Mary Kamau is one of those that has made such a difference in the entire nation of Kenya. So it's an honor to walk in her shadow. And this episode's exciting for me because I get to travel with my best friend and our mm. wives are accompanying us with, on this trip. And it's just been amazing watching them interact with the ladies and uh, the people at Mohi and the different sites and schools that we have visited. It's also exciting for me because guess what? I've actually been to a place that Mark Moore has not. <laughs> that's, that's not very hard for you, Larry. You've been everywhere. So at any rate, let's try to recap the week and um, kind of take you through what we've experienced the best we can. It started off, of course, at the airport where our trips were on time and no delays. We had probably one of my fastest trips to Africa and to Kenya because we literally had less than an hour in our uh, flights that we had to connect to. In, in London. In London. It was So for those of you listening... Barbara and I got on the plane. Larry just said, go ahead. We got through security. Go go to the plane. And I was to help hold the door open like I could actually do that. They did hold the door open about 10 minutes past what they normally do. And here comes Larry and Sheila. I believe you guys were the last we were. people we were the, on the yep, plane. The last people on the plane. The flights were great. Uh, uh, the seats weren't all that comfortable. We flew in economy. And so, but we made it through and uh, landed safely. Uh, and then, of course, getting through customs and uh, in Nairobi uh, is usually a challenge, but we made it through fairly unscathed. Uh, the other last thing that happened as we were collecting our luggage 
We kept waiting for the last piece of luggage. Of course, that's mine. So I'm already prepared. Okay, I know what's going to happen with this. I've been here before. My luggage won't come. And three days later, the luggage will show up. But it'll probably show up in a place that I'm not. <laughs> and so uh, as we were almost ready to start heading to the baggage claim area and talk with an attendant, here comes this lone piece of luggage, the very last piece of luggage on the on the on the plane and so um anyhow god was uh, uh you know he sometimes can be fairly uh humorous and uh so uh anything we cl- anyhow we collected our luggage and of course our our uh, transport was waiting for us and uh we made our way uh late at night around midnight uh to our uh, place where we were staying our first night so it was a great trip over and everyone was safe so now we're in nairobi and we're staying at the lamanda uh, resort or hotel, which is a kind of a guest house kind of thing, but it's it was it was nice and it was clean. And so we got a I don't know whether we slept that night or not. I think last night was the first night that I actually slept. But anyhow, we finished the night and first thing in the morning, we were up and ready to go for our first day. Mark, mm-hmm. do you remember that day? Yeah, we headed over to Mohi. Of course, Mohi is all across Kenya, but kind of the the headquarters are right there in Nairobi on the edges of the slums. And whatever you think of slums, unless you've been to Mohi, you're probably not thinking like what it actually is. It's not just tenement housing. It's shacks with corrugated metal as the roofs, room after room after room, dark dirt floors, sewage running down the streets. And in this housing, what did you say, a million people live in this mm-hmm. project? It's yeah. a three-mile-by-three-mile three area. Right. So it's not just large. It's Think of a, a million people in a three-mile square area. The density and the depth of poverty was was overwhelming. And probably what's, what struck me, Larry, because my wife has a very sensitive smell. I do not. I about choked. And not just for a moment, for about an hour while I was there. And thinking about people who live there long enough that they they almost don't smell that smell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we get used to things, but this is a, a an experience that you will never forget. There is not a time that I don't go by someone that at, uh, at home that has a charcoal grill on. Mm-hmm. And that will take me back to Africa because in the slums, the only thing they cook on is charcoal. So they sell charcoal uh, all throughout the slum area for, you know, a few shillings each. And then, of course, they take that back. And one piece of charcoal that maybe a four-inch square of charcoal will burn and last all day and be hot enough for them to cook whatever meals, if they even eat meals a day. So our first day, um, we were going through orientation. That's about a, oh, a little over a half a day experience where the leaders at Missions of Hope will speak and tell us about their ministry. And one thing that I, we, Mark and Barbara have noticed right from the beginning of how proud they are of what they're doing mm. and how thankful they are for being involved in the ministry that they're in. We sat through uh, presentation after presentation as these leaders got up with so much passion and joy of what it is that they specifically do. You know, some of them are in charge of of teaching women how to sew and making the uniforms for the kids. There's a, a clinic available. And um, also there's microfinancing that Mohi helps with the the 
the people of the slums get their business start. Yeah, one thing, one of the things that struck me, Larry, is you've got this systemic poverty, and whenever there's systemic poverty, there's a system that is broken. I was talking to Mary Kamau about that. Uh, you know, you've got the the Kenyan government, which is one of the most stable governments in Africa, and yet their care for the poorest of the poor, they just don't have the resources to do it. And Mary said, if if we are going to solve poverty in Kenya, it will be a grassroots effort. And you should know this, the grassroots effort is always Christian-based. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some, some uh, Islamic um, benevolence, but it's usually tied to uh, evangelism. So it's more of a bribe to convert. And that's not what Mary and Wallace are doing here. They are in the slums providing vocational training for adults, literacy for women, schools for children. So the only way out of the slum is through education. And if they get an education, which has been rare until Mary and Wallace came to the slums, then they can, they can find a way to move into a vocation that gives them uh, an occupation that gets them out of the systemic poverty for prostitution for women, for drug dealing for boys. And one of the things, Larry, I, maybe you could share this, of the house that we went into, this woman who didn't want to do what she was doing. Yeah, inside the uh, the slums themselves, uh, imagine um, thousands of corrugated steel connected structures that uh, have four by eight sheets of corrugated steel, which the government provides. But it's up to the homeowner uh, or each family to actually construct their home. And they do that by taking wire and wiring these four sheets of uh, metal together, sharing a common wall, usually on two sides, but sometimes they can share a common wall on three sides. Mm. Um, so you're, you're in that close quarter. So the other thing that's obvious in the slums is that there's no light inside of these homes because the steel is, you know, dense and thick. It's not fiberglass it's steel so the rooms themselves are very very uh, dark and so they light them with whatever means they they can light them with it could be candles sometimes they will find an electric line and um, some (laughs) usually a child will shimmy up the the electric pole and literally connect two wires to a line Mm. and then lead them down into their house so they so they have electric um until they get, yeah, until they get caught, and then yeah. then then all of a sudden that's gone as well. This particular lady actually had a business that made alcohol. Now we couldn't quite figure out the formula, <laughs> but we got that uh, it took water and sugar, and then there was some other substance which we assumed was some kind of hops or or cornmeal or something. She didn't describe it that way. She described it as a block, and this block must have some kind of must have some kind of things that, um, uh, you know, some, some chemical were that obviously fermented and made, made the alcohol. And so she provided this alcohol to customers. And while we were there. And she offered me a drink. Oh, of course. Of Which, course. yeah, of Which, course, no, I turned down. But we did smell it. I right. did. It was, it's moonshine. Yeah, That's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and we did not get it cl- – <laughs> we made sure that it didn't get too close to the candle that was about three feet. <laughs> and so, um, so there was customers waiting, and, um, and she explained to us that uh, she was Christian. In fact, she had um, 
you know, Christian posters on her walls. There was a picture of Jesus in, on a calendar, and and um, she had to do this in order to survive. And um, her children, she did not like to be around uh, what was going on, so she literally had them not live with her. Uh, in yeah, order she sent her boy away, away, so that he would not be exposed. And the girl, she locked in the other room while the men of the community came and and got drunk, and yeah. it just. It was so sad for me. And then, so we're in this eight by 10 room, but some of them maybe uh, 10 by 12 rooms that are dark and uh, dirt floors. And then I'm going to fast forward, Larry. Uh, we, we came to the camp over here on the coast. And as we were getting oriented to the camp, one of the problems that they deal with, they don't have disciplinary problems because these kids have never seen the ocean that's on the coast of their country. They have never eaten this well, and they do not want to get sent home. So they have no discipline problems, but one of the problems they run into is bedwetting. And these are sixth-grade children. The reason this – I just can't hardly describe the pain this caused. The reason they're bedwetting is in the slums, you would never get out of bed to go to the bathroom because there are no bathrooms in your home – A little girl would have to walk up a dark street with drunk men who regularly rape girls their age. So they choose to wet the bed every night rather than risk going to the bathroom getting Mm -hmm. raped. Mm -hmm. So coming to camp, it doesn't cross their mind to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. And what Mark is referring to is Mohi has approximately 34 schools. And uh, half of those schools are within the Mathari Valley slum area. The other half are in the surrounding area. And one of the schools that we're going to visit actually today, we're not finished, is Mitangani. Mitangani is a school that CCV started. And so you'll hear about that um, either if we choose to extend this podcast or we'll do another one. But we will just, we'll talk about what's happening at Mitangani. I don't know what to expect. The last time we were there, we were shoveling, uh, breaking ground to begin to begin the school. Now there are kids there that are thriving, and so we are really expecting a great trip today. But today, but today we're getting up from uh, Khalifi, which where which where is where we started the Engazi school uh, camp. Now, what's an Engazi camp for children? Well, we support an organization called UCYC at CCV up in Prescott, where our kids go get to go and experience camp. The Ngazi camp is just that. Mm-hmm. It's right on the beach that Mohi acquired some property. And over the years, Keith and Kathy Ham have put together this amazing camp for sixth graders to attend. It's an experience that will literally change the trajectory of these kids' lives. These are sixth graders that's never been out of the slums. And all of a sudden, they come to this amazing camp where they sleep in clean beds. They're they're, some of them able to take a shower for the very first time. Mm. And they have the camp week all planned out for them. It's actually two weeks. And uh, they actually, because it's so close to the ocean, can walk down to the beach and get into the water of, a, of the ocean, of which none of them have ever been able to experience. It's a two-week uh, camp. Uh, they go back via train to Nairobi. It's about a six-hour uh, train ride. And then the next week, the boys arrive. Mm. And this camp goes on week 
every two weeks all year round, with the exception of a break at Easter and Christmas. You know, one thing, Larry, that, that struck me is at CCV, we count the number of hours we have kids. And the reason we prioritize our summer camps is we actually have more hours with the kids in one week mm -hmm. than our coaches and counselors have all year long combined. And so think about these kids in the slums having a healthy experience, scripture memorization, Bible teaching, singing and worship for an entire 10 days. They've never had that in their lives. And that's why it makes such a huge impact. There's not just on the kids. The story I heard yesterday, a young man was, once you, once you graduate from high school in Mathari slums, some of those, the best of the best are allowed to be counselors at the camp for the sixth graders. Is one young man said, I, I'm very nervous about being a father because I didn't have a father and all the men in my life, uh, it was riddled with crime and corruption and poverty. His experience of being a camp counselor gave him the confidence that he could actually raise his own children because they looked up to him as a dad. Yeah. Well, we all know the value of a camp. Personally, when I went to camp, it's where I accepted Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that experience for these kids uh, is just unmeasurable. And the good news is that they had recently, oh, he has recently acquired some property right next to this property, which they plan to build a 10th grader camp. So that these kids that are going through the sixth grade right now, every one of them wants to know when they're coming back. Now, through God's grace, we hope that we'll be able to provide them a camp to come back to in their 10th year of, of school setting them on the course for the rest of their life. Yeah, so you think about sixth grade, the decisions you make in the sixth grade, yeah. and then fast forward to 10th grade. Those are two pivotal years that really determine trajectory of your life. And so it's, it, it's not just, hey, we're going to throw out a, a camp for a couple of age groups, but Mo has thought carefully about the stages of development of children and when they can make the maximum impact on their lives. Well, Mark, before we close, let's, let's tell them um, – one other experience that we, we got to do and the privilege of being able to teach about mm. 50 pastors on Friday. And uh, Mark and I, well, let's face it, Mark taught the book of Matthew and I taught a couple of leadership lessons, but together we were, we were honored to be able to, to be in front of these passionate, unbelievably committed mm -hmm. pastors to their cause. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, and I, just God has allowed me to teach at various levels, uh, graduate graduate school in three different places. These students who are as underprivileged as any students I've ever had were as engaged, ask as good a questions. Those who are poor are not unintelligent, and these are brilliant men and women of God that are in some, in some ways risking their lives, not all of them, but a lot of them are persecuted and working with poverty and bivocational. I just can't tell you the level of respect I have for them intellectually, spiritually, and socially. God's raising up an army yes. here in Africa <laughs> to yes. be on the front lines of preparing for the second coming of Christ. 
There is no question about that, Mark, in my mind. I know you know what I'm talking about, but I've been here several times now, and I've had the opportunity to really observe what's happening in the world and how God is moving. And groups like Mohi and TCM, which are where these students are attending right now, is another key partner of CCV. I know that some of you listening have been on the TCM trip in Austria. And so um, we still continue to, to do many of those. We're planning more trips back to Mohi here, where you'll be able to meet some of these pastors, not only in Austria, but also here now in Nairobi. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to what God's going to do, not only throughout this trip, but the future trips we'll make together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing we didn't mention, so I'm just going to put a teaser for the next episode. We didn't talk at all about the medical care. I know. Mohi is taking care of education for children, uh, vocation for adults, medical care for all, so that body, soul, and spirit, and church planting, spiritual uh, needs can be met as well. God bless Mohi. Please pray for Mohi. And if you get a chance to sign up for a medical trip or a work trip or a training trip with Mohi, I would jump on that ASAP. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks for listening to Let's Go 360 podcast, sponsored by Christ Church of the Valley. Check out CCV at ccv.church and our missions activity at ccv.church slash missions where we are fulfilling the Great Commission, inspired by the Great Commandments.